The following is a message by Pastor Ken Prater of Durkeytown Baptist Church in Fort Edward, New York. For more information about Durkeytown, please visit our website at www.durkeytown.org. That's D-U-R-K-E-E-T-O-W-N dot O-R-G. Thank you guys so very much. Um, children can go to Children's Church. And if you would please remain standing, let me read for us the sermon text, which is uh, Psalm 83. Psalm 83. Um, I, like, I like that video uh, promotion of Sunday school. I liked it a lot. And uh, maybe we can just do a sermon with that kind of format or something one Sunday and uh, see the effect, negative or positive that it uh, could, could have. Thank you, Mike, for putting that together. Uh, Psalm 83, O oh God, uh, do not keep silence. Do not hold your peace or be still, O oh God. For behold, your enemies make an uproar. Those who hate you have raised their heads. They lay crafty plans against your people. They consult together against your treasured ones. They say, come, let us wipe them out as a nation. Let the name of Israel be remembered no more. For they conspire with one accord against you. They make a covenant. The tents of Edom and the Ishlamites, Moab and the Hagrites, Gebel, Ammon and Amalek, Philistia with the inhabitants of Tyre, Ashur has also joined them. They are the strong arm of the children of Lot. Do to them as you did to Midian and to Sisera and Jabin at the river Kishon, who were destroyed at Endor, who became dung for the ground. Make their nobles like Oreb and Zeb, and all their princes like Zeba and Zalmunna, who said, let us take possession for ourselves of the pasture of God. Oh my God, make them like whirling dust and like chaff before the wind as fire consumes the forest, as the flame sets the mountains ablaze. So may you pursue them with your tempest and terrify them with your hurricane. Fill their faces with shame that they may seek your name, O Lord. Let them be put to shame and dismayed forever. Let them perish in disgrace that they may know that you alone, whose name is the Lord, are the Most High over all the earth. The word of the Lord, it is for our good. Please be seated. And now, Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart may indeed be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. As we come to the end of the first section of this series on continuous spiritual renewal, I hope that we will be encouraged today uh, to know how deeply God loves us and how God is working for our good. I want you to feel that today. I want you to know that. The big idea of this sermon on, on God's favor is rather simple and straightforward. God's concern for justice does not diminish his desire to show favor towards sinners. Let me say it again. God's concern for justice does not diminish his desire to show favor toward 
sinners. Psalm 83 does not sound at all like a psalm in which God would show favor at all. There are these psalms that are imprecatory by nature. That is, they pronounce judgment or a curse. Um, Asaph wants God to take action. Uh, Commentators believe that Psalm 83 was a song that was actually sung by Israel in times of national emergency. I saw the footage recently of then-President Roosevelt and Prime Minister Churchill on board of a destroyer, I think it was, or aircraft carrier, uh, during World War II, meeting about strategy and plans to overcome the Nazis. And at the end of their meeting, the whole crew gathered together and with the world leaders saying, onward, Christian soldiers. It was an anthem, it was an idea, similar to what we have in Psalm 83. I wonder how folks out in California, like Joy's parents, might feel about asking God to set the mountains ablaze with flame as they've seen the devastation of forest fires where they live and had themselves, uh, along with Jesse and Sugar, have had to be evacuated uh, because of the devastation. I wonder how people who've actually been in devastation might feel about asking God to bring devastation. Or people in hurricane areas like Louisiana today and tomorrow might feel about a prayer that says bring a hurricane terrify them with a hurricane Um, this psalm doesn't sound at all like a psalm we should be reading if we're going to talk about god's favor but let's not forget that god's concern for justice does not diminish his desire to show favor towards sinners so there are two truths that we need to be clear on right from the very start first god has not hidden his intentions to show love and kindness to his people to this world honestly in which we live the bible is a big book that in one way or another announces god's intentions toward any who would hear and listen to his announcement of favor god has not hidden his intentions to be favorable even towards sinners. But the second truth that is also from the start to the finish of the Bible points us then to Jesus as the one through whom God's favor is to be realized. God's favor is not at all an abstract idea. It it is tangible. It It was embodied. It was incarnate. And that is a glorious truth. And we need to both proclaim that truth but that truth must be believed that truth must be taken by faith that god has through christ shown us favor i I want you to get your fingers ready to do a little walking through the bibles today with the grandkids at home we've been doing a lot more physical activity so everybody you know don't be ashamed just kind of get your fingers ready i'm not doing like i'm like get your fingers ready all right go to luke Go to Luke 1. I want you to see how this announcement is set in a song by Mary, the Virgin Mary, and what is known as the Magnificat, as she sings about God's favor. In verse number 46, that Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant 
For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. This is a song that brings together in such wonder and beauty this great reality that God has poured out His favor, not in an abstract way, but in a concrete way through the Son of the Virgin, Jesus Christ, which is then the song of the angels in chapter number 2, just a page over and a few months, relatively speaking, down the road, Listen to the announcement to the shepherds that an angel of the Lord appears to them. Luke 2, verse 9. An angel of the Lord appears to them. The glory of the Lord shone round about them. They're filled with great fear. And the angel says to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Now, now note, in verse 11, who is this good news located in? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The Lord, the Christ. This is just two of the many examples that we read that announce that God's favor has uh, taken form and shape. It has come in Jesus Christ, the servant of God, the one filled with the Spirit who feeds hungry people, is the same one that Daniel saw enthroned in his vision. It is the same one who is enthroned in John's vision. It is Jesus, the one who then embodies the favor of God. And in Jesus, Paul says, all of the spiritual blessings are located. Every spiritual blessing we could possibly need and are ours for uh, enjoyment are located in Christ. And if you ever lose your way about that, just go to Ephesians 1 and uh, take your Bible and every time you see in Christ, circle it right there in chapter number 1. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Every spiritual blessing and the heavenly places in Christ are ours to enjoy. Now this is a point of retrieval for the church because we do forget that God's favor is ours now and it will be ours for all eternity to enjoy because Jesus is the eternal Son of God. And so this message of favor encompasses then the three themes we've already talked about in the month of August. God's faithfulness, God's fullness, and God's forgiveness all come alive. They are all animated in the person and the work of Jesus. We can trust God's announcement of favor 
because God is faithful to his word. We can trust his announcement of favor being located in Jesus because Jesus is the fullness of God in bodily form, ascended, exalted, and bodily form, seated on his throne today. We can also trust the announcement that God's favor comes through Jesus because we know that through the death of Jesus, sins are not only paid for, but through the life of Jesus, the life he now lives in his resurrection, we are brought into favor, into fellowship. We are restored and at peace with God. It is a great point of retrieval that the church needs to keep reaching back and pulling forward in our lives because we do tend to lose our way. But it is also a point of correction, a point of reproof, because the church has lost sight of her privilege to be the continuing announcement of God's favor, now fully located in Jesus. As I have been saying throughout August, what is the church but a body prepared? We are a body prepared. We know that the physical body of Jesus ascended and glorified to a place of exaltation, has then dispatched his spirit to form us together. The spirit poured out on all who would receive faith that in our baptism we are brought into Christ formed together as a community of love. That's what that snazzy little announcement thing was about. It was so well done. A community of love right here in this place. We are a body prepared to love, to give service, and of course to give worship and to announce as we serve and as we worship that Jesus has come to earth and brought his favor and given to us an opportunity then to enter into God's favor. But the church is so very challenged today to see itself that way. Are we not challenged to see ourselves as a body prepared to announce God's favor? And we tend to get too wrapped up in our own concerns and in our own agendas. And we forget about God's concerns. And we forget about God's agenda. Amid all of the rhetoric this last few weeks concerning Afghanistan, and there was much rhetoric, and I'm to be fair to what I'm about to say concerning a comment by our own president, I also want to just note this. From what I've read and understood and how I've interacted with people who know a whole lot more than I do, Afghanistan is a 20-year institutional failure. I, honestly, I think it's quite unfair of our own congressional representative, Stefanik, to dump blame on the current president. It seems a way to score cheap points when, in fact, it's a 20-year failure across the board. But nevertheless, our president did say something this last week that was very troubling. The president, who claims to be a Christian, whether you think he is or not, I, I can't say. He represents a nation that by the world is still considered to be a Christian nation. Our president said this in response to the terrorist attack, we will never forgive and we will never forget. 
And that was stamped on newspaper headlines and across the internet for all the world to read. I would suggest that this is a far cry from the speech that Dr. Martin Luther King gave some 58 years ago now when speaking to his own people who were being terrorized in the very nation in which they lived. He said, wrongful deeds. Let us be warned against wrongful deeds. Let us not seek to satisfy our thirst for freedom by drinking from the cup of bitterness and hatred. I want you to think for just a moment, imagine American Christian who's been witnessing to Muslims, maybe in Afghanistan, maybe some other Muslim nation, maybe here in America. And in their witness, they have been pressing home forgiveness as one of the most basic tenets of the Christian faith. We must think about the, what it does to the credibility of the witness of an American Christian for the president of a nation that is supposed to be a Christian nation to say, we will not forgive. Far better it would have been for our president to say, we will seek justice even as our faith calls us to extend forgiveness to those who committed such an act of brutality. But I fear the church is so easily swept away into the fervor of revenge that it forgets that at the very heart of the announcement of God's favor is the announcement of forgiveness. It's so very important for us to see this particular issue that we must descend into at the present moment because the seeds of hostility that have been sown in the church for years now are producing division within the church. And brothers and sisters, we are not a body prepared to announce division, but to announce that God's favor has been uh, has removed all of the dividing walls. That God's favor has come and in Christ has brought together people so that there is no longer separation, but now oneness in Jesus. And so we need to be corrected. And when emotions run high and the distance between what you think and the meme or comment you post on Facebook is not nearly far enough for you to not post it, I pray that not only Christians in this room and in our church, but Christians in general, would retrieve the teaching of the Scriptures, they would be reproved, corrected by it, and remember that God's favor and justice come together in Christ. And that we keep announcing what God has announced to a world that is in such desperate need. And so the real challenge then is found in that third R of remaining. Remaining. It is a very hard thing to remain in the apostolic truth that God's favor now located in Jesus is to be lived out in the people of the church. We are to be the people who proclaim it. It is a hard thing to remain in it. 
Here's why. I mean, it's a fairly simple answer. Our sanctification lags. We lag in sanctification. We lag behind when it comes to loving our enemies. We lag behind when it comes to forgiveness. We race ahead with judgment. We're really good sprinters. Usain Bolt, sprinter-like judges. They're like me in the 100-yard dash when it comes to forgiveness. Really slow. Really slow. But oh, let us remember and let us remain in the words of Jesus who said, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For the Father in heaven, Jesus said, makes his Son, S-U-N, rise on the evil and good and sends rain on the just and unjust. It's his sun that shines. It's his rain that pours down on the just and the unjust. So this really presents another knotty problem for the church to answer. Does God's agenda of announcing favor lessen his desire for justice to come? I want you to go back to Psalm 83, and I want us to set then the application of this message within the song. Psalm 83 is another, I think, really helpful example of how the Bible helps us descend into the particulars of problems. The psalm, as I said, uh, written uh, in a time of national emergency, most likely recited in public worship. It, it is an entreaty to God to intervene on behalf of His people. The focus is on God's deliverance of His people. And, and the song seems to have in mind what God did in the time of the judges. Reference to the song of Deborah in verse 10, reference to Philistia in verse 8, to Sisera, Jabin, which connects then Barak and Deborah, the Midianites in verse number 12. So it reaches back into the history and it pulls it forward and it is a song that says, oh God, do something. Bring justice, bring deliverance. We might find it odd to sing this kind of song, but I think we should learn to sing this kind of song. You say, wait, in Christian worship? Yes. Christian worship. Now, I'm not suggesting that we're going to sing this particular psalm. It might be hard to be put to, uh, to a catchy tune, you know? But nevertheless, we, we need to take it and we need to incorporate it, but it doesn't stand alone. It has to then be connected to the larger theme of Scripture, which is why we need to remain firmly in apostolic teaching, because it is only as we are Firmly in apostolic teaching do we get a right view of God and a right view of our neighbor. I think for all of the song's desire for God to protect Israel, to remove their enemies, that the song finds its great hope in what the psalmist says in verse number 16. Fill their faces with shame that they may seek your name, O Lord. 
And then again in verse 17 and 18, let them be put to shame and dismayed forever. Let them perish in disgrace that they may know that you alone whose name is the Lord or the Most High over all the earth. You see, when God brings favor and justice together, it is always for the purpose that his enemies might have opportunity then to be brought into his favor. The driving out of the enemies of Israel was a way then for God to bring forth the glory and the redemption of Israel as his people so that their light might shine. This, of course, is the great work of Jesus who announces himself as the light of the world and coming then as the true and faithful Israelite. He shines God's light in the midst of the enemies. He brings God's sun and God's rain down in the midst of the enemies. He knew that the people he was feeding that day on the hillside wanted something different from him than he was giving, and yet he fed them anyway. And he cared for their most basic need. Yes, we should learn to sing this song. Yes, we should pray that God would drive out death and sin, destruction and wickedness. And yes, we should pray that. And yes, we should put our hands and feet to work and help do that. Not as soldiers carrying swords and spears and shields. But going forth in love in the name of Jesus. Going forth in words and works that show forth who Jesus is. The one Zach sang about at the beginning of the service. The one whose name is to be praised. I think the first line of Psalm 83 is a brilliant line. It should be on our lips. But as it is on our lips, we need to keep in mind that it is a prayer already answered. Oh God, do not keep silence. Do not hold your peace or be still, O God. The prayer indeed was heard. God did not keep quiet. In faithfulness, He spoke through Jesus, the fullness of God in bodily form. And what did He speak? It was an announcement that forgiveness for sins is offered to God's enemies. It is offered to all who would turn from their sins and with faith believe in Jesus. But the good news of God's favor didn't end with a speech. It put words into action. It delivered justice on the enemies of Israel, while at the same time it invited them into God's favor. Asaph wanted the nations to know that God alone is the highest over all the earth. And today, in tribes and tongues and nations, as John envisioned in Revelation 5, what are they doing? What are they singing? Saints above are singing, Worthy is the Lamb slain. What are saints below singing? Worthy is the Lamb slain. It didn't lessen God's desire for justice. It only made it then a reality that the fullness of justice would be realized in Jesus Christ. And these two themes then are brought together in Jesus who goes out like a mighty warrior. He defeats an enemy far greater than the enemies that ancient Israel faced. And how did Jesus defeat them? With a sword? No. He said, you take up the sword, you're going to die by the sword. But instead of taking up a sword, 
he took up a basin and a cloth and he washed his disciples' feet. And he went into the garden and he did battle so that wholly, fully, completely, he gives himself to the will of God and then he gives himself in his body to his accusers who then put him to death by crucifixion. Jesus did not withhold forgiveness, but through a life of loving service to his enemies, he laid down his life for them. The announcement of God's favor that the church must continually give does not dismiss God's concern for justice because in Jesus both are brought together and both are fulfilled. So yes, we can sing Psalm 83 because Jesus was willing to have his face filled with shame. Jesus was willing to perish in seeming disgrace so that in the glory of his resurrection and in his ascension to the throne, the nations would indeed come to know that the Lord is the most high over all the earth. I think this is what Paul means then when he writes in 2 Corinthians, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. But I close with a question. What will be required of us if we are going to take up the cause of God's favor and justice and proclaim it? What will be required of us? Well, really one thing that is very hard to do. Remain in and walk in the steps of Jesus as we, in the name of Jesus, descend into the details of our own broken community and our own broken world. What will be needed? What will be required if we are going to truly take up the cause of God's favor, proclaim it along with his justice, we will need to descend into the details of our own broken community. This morning, I descended into the details as I read the account of the murder of Emmett Till Emmett was a 14-year-old African-American boy from Chicago visiting relatives in Mississippi. On August 28, 1955, he was lynched by two men in Drew, Mississippi. His crime? He publicly offended a white woman. The two men who murdered Emmett were acquitted of their crimes by an all-white jury. Two years later, the men publicly admitted to the murder, but because of double jeopardy, they were unable to be retried. Now think about descending into the details of your own child's brutal murder. Emmett's mother, Mamie Till, had her son's body returned to Chicago and decided to have an open casket 
because she knew there was no way to describe what they had done to her son. It would take more. People would need to see it. People would need to see it. And they did. And in his death, 14-year-old Emmett Till became a catalyst for the civil rights movement because his mother descended into the particulars and through her grief did what was necessary. May I remind us that God did not keep silent. Jesus came and in his coming, he descended into the particulars of our lives, of our sins. He cried out from the cross, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. Brothers and sisters, people saw what was done to Jesus marred more than any of the sons of men. And then they testified to it, and then they testified to his resurrection. They saw God's favor. They saw God's justice come together in an act of brutality called crucifixion. And because they were not ashamed to identify with it, but they owned it as a mark of their own faith, they then were able to have the credibility to announce it to the nations. Will we descend into the particulars of our neighbors and neighborhoods, towns and villages? I pray that the words, we will never forgive, we will never forget, may be forgotten quickly so that the words of God's favor will ring more clearly. For God said, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Let me pray. Father, I thank you so much for your love for us in Christ that you did not, you did not withhold yourself. You came to us. You came to us. And I pray even now as we take up these elements that speak so profoundly of the sacrifice of our Lord, of the brutality that was heaped upon Jesus, let us be mindful that we too are called to descend into the particulars of people's lives. And in doing so, to announce God's favor that has brought together grace and judgment and announces peace. I encourage you to remain quiet and allow perhaps the Lord to work in your heart as you prepare yourself to celebrate the table together. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Ken Prater of Durkeytown Baptist Church in Fort Edward, New York. You may freely copy and distribute this message, but please do so at no charge and without altering the contents in any way. For more information about Durkeytown, please visit our website at www.durkeytown.org.